Coming up, today's guest is Jenny Miles, who is the business development manager at Google Play. She will break down how to leverage behavioral science to improve app subscriptions, tell us if two pricing plans are better than three, and common pitfalls that developers face when they try to grow. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Want to double your downloads using ASO? Check out appmastersacademy.com to discover our exact ASO strategies to grow your downloads. That's appmastersacademy.com. Check out our other company, copymasters.co, where you can get unlimited copywriting from blog posts to ebooks to email newsletters. Our trained writers will help you scale your content. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of appmasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content in the app business because I bring on phenomenal guests to talk about the app business, what they've learned. And today, I've got a phenomenal guest straight from Google Play. Her name is Jenny Miles. She's the business development manager at Google Play in her role as a Google Play business development manager. Jenny consults with startups on applying behavioral insights to apps to achieve both business and user goals. When she's not studying on her executive master's in behavioral science, she is most likely covering new places books, and London vegan eateries. Wow. I can't wait to dive deep into this because I'm a huge nerd about this stuff. So I'm super excited to have her on. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Jenny, where does the interest from behavioral science come from for you? Yeah. So I've been in um, the apps business development role that you mentioned for about three years now. And as part of that job um, over the past three years, it's really been my uh, responsibility to help some of the best European startups really optimize their business. And I think it was about three months in and I had all these questions of, oh, but how can these developers influence user behavior? How can you optimize pricing? And I just kind of fell down the rabbit hole of, uh, you know, reading so many different books and devouring different academic literature articles. It was a real whirlwind. I just kind of op opened up this whole new world. Um, and so for me, the interest just came from, you know, trying to seek the answers to the questions that these companies have mm. and really just really mucking in and, and trying to learn what's, uh, what's out there and how I can help developers actually apply that to their business. So from, you know, driving engagement, uh, retention, but more specifically, where I first focused on this was around subscription upsell strategies. I love that. And we're going to dive deep into that because that's one thing where I know a lot of developers are moving towards that business yeah. model. And so it's a very, very great topic to talk about. But I want to talk about this personally, like, was there a book that got you for me, it was predictably irrational, that really got me into like, Oh, my goodness, this is so great. Was there a book for you that you really loved and got you really interested in the science? I, I think it was, it was actually um, an ebook that I read from UK Cho, so actionable gamification. And it was the first time. Um, so I don't know if you know much about his book, but he has this like octalysis framework of eight different motivational drives and the whole book talks about um different different psychological concepts to actually appeal to those motivations mostly from a game design standpoint so when i started to read that and it was you know encompassing 
engagement, pricing, and all of these really nitty gritty topics that I really wanted to excel in so I could do my job better. Yeah. Um, that I think really ignited my interest. And then from there, it was, it was just a snowball effect, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's get but into I'm this. Predictably irrational as well. <laughs> yeah, I love that book. I love all of Dan Ariely's stuff. The, yeah, it's cool. Are, all right, so you've written a lot about this, so I'm going to link this up. And so I encourage all the, you guys listening, if you haven't already checked it out, Google Play does a great job of really writing about all the great tips. So if you go to medium.com slash Google Play Dev, all one word, no dashes, medium.com slash Google Play Dev. I'm going to link up some of Jenny's articles on there too. But let's talk about this, Jenny. You talked about how to leverage behavioral science to improve the user experience. Do you have some, some of your favorite examples that you can share with us? Yeah, so you mean specific to subscriptions or just generally? Yeah, let's talk about generally first and then let's get into the subscription side. Yeah, so um, one of the concepts that um, you know makes a lot of sense when you really get to learn about it, but this idea of salience. So how can you make something on the screen itself really prominent relative to its surroundings? And um, I was working on some content around behavioral insights for Google I.O. 2017. And one of my colleagues who's based in uh, South Korea, she mentioned she works with a a language learning app called Catcher English. And they have almost like a gamified language learning app. And what they do is they really make sure with this idea of salience, um, really prominent visual cues, audio cues, you know, haptic feedback to really positively reinforce progress. So as and when a user, for example, is leveling up or learning a new um, word and answering questions correctly, you get this really great um, haptic, you know, audio visual feedback. So I think this idea of salience, it's really simple to understand but it's sometimes overlooked you know when you think about so many apps that just focus on uh walls of text it's not necessarily very compelling so i think that is one um concept that i would really recommend people really think about and then the other one and for me um maybe i've mentioned but i work mostly with self-improvement and health and fitness apps so it's all about how do you stick to a healthy habit or commit to a goal and one of the um I think it's Robert Cialdini. He talks about this idea of commitment and consistency and this idea that if you make a decision, you're more likely to feel pressure on your, you know, to actually pressurize yourself to commit to it and act consistently with that goal just because you want to look like, you know, I'm, I, can, I can do this. Um, and I've seen a couple of examples where self-improvement apps have, have used this concept really well. So the first one, um, you may have heard of the Fabulous app. So it's like a lifestyle self-improvement app they have this really cool feature within it, um, which is a, like a commitment contract. Mm. And so you actually have to sign your name and commit and say, I'm going to carry out this behavior this time, this place. And you have the option of sharing it on Facebook or on social media to show all of your friends, this is what you intend to do. So I love that. And then um, one of the other examples that comes to mind is Neuronation. So they're an awesome Berlin-based startup. They have a meditation app. And if you think about most first-time user experience, most onboarding, um, you know, that first session, what you typically do as a developer is try and um, find a way to build in a loop so that the user comes back the next day or the next week. And actually what Neuronation do is they think, well, day one is when um, our new users are the most motivated to use our product. So they actually follow up with this really cool um, um, commitment and they ask the user, will you commit to a mini session later today? to really get into the practice of meditation. So I think these two things, they're really simple to implement, but they can have a huge impact on, you know, actual usage longer, uh, you know, longer term. Yeah, I love the whole commitment. What was the the app that you said that was more the health and, health and fitness one? The Fabulous. 
Fabio. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that one. Yeah, I, they're they're everywhere. They're doing a f- tremendous job. Yeah, and they they also um, presented with me at the IO talk. So when you share that link with um, the listeners, they'll I be will. able to see some more examples. I love the topic. I mean, when I went through the article that will link up to about the behavioral economics and especially for the subscription side, the salience article. So I that part and the the example that I'm looking at, because I'm obviously looking at is peak where, you know, the user says this screen is far more engaging. It takes up my mind off the large amount of money at the bottom because, you know, with peak, they're showing the gameplay you know, three really key bullet points and that's it. And here's access to the pro features. And they talk about here's the pro features. And I would think it's almost backwards because I would think that you want to show more of that pricing page, but peak actually Mm -hmm. shows very little of that pricing page and more about the benefits of signing up. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's because, you know, as a, as a free user, if you're thinking about subscribing or even being prompted to look at the upsell screen, you already know straight away, you want to look at the price. You want to find out how much is this going to cost me? Um, But that means then any kind of non-pricing messaging, as you say, has to work super hard to get the user's attention. So, yeah, I think, you know, the combination of the eye-catching visuals and really reducing the amount of text as well. So I think from the example that you talk about, it has like a really amazing animated video at the top, actually bringing to life what the premium experience is. And I still am surprised when I look at, so, I mean, I look at upsell screens so many times, you know, for my job. <laughs> yeah. And I'm surprised that more that, that more developers aren't trying this idea of actually bringing to life the premium experience on the upsell screen. Because people, especially on mobile, you know, we, we, we don't want to read a whole wall of text. We don't want to focus too much on the pricing. We just want to understand why are you trying to upsell me? What am I trying to get? What, what do I get from actually paying for the subscription? You know, I and love that. Barriers. And I love that you guys did this white paper too that I'll link up and I want to go yeah. more in depth with this paid subscription because I always talk to clients myself and I'm like, hey, you know, this is too much text. I'm like, well, we need it, you know. <laughs> and so now I can point to your white paper and be like, look, here's some stats from Google Play that says, hey, you yeah. don't need all this text. Exactly. And it's, it's one of the things, you know, with my exec masters that I'm working on, um, really just finding out how little of information or how you, everyone thinks information is what's really persuasive. It's all about the text, the information, but there's so many other factors that influence what we do. And so just assuming if you put, if you kind of shoehorn all of the information about the premium product that you're then going to get subscribers yeah. is actually a bit misguided. I think a ninja tip when you get that, like maybe that commitment with the signature and all, and then you yeah. kind of show that signature, Hey, ready to take your commitment. That'd be really cool to see. Like if my signature shows up on that main screen, like the peak example, and then you have the pricing page ready to take your commitment to the next level and like really stick to it. Well, you know, we got some premium features to help you do that. That'd be a really cool technique too. Yeah. I like yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the key takeaways. So you actually Google play teamed up with behavioral architects to inst- yeah. identify some of these key behavioral economics that could help drive app subscriptions. We know that's where it's headed. What are some key insights from that white paper that I'll link up to? Yeah, so I'll first of all talk a little bit about the project itself, just so you have full context. So um, as I mentioned, you know, when I started learning and researching more about behavioral insights, um, and I realized, okay, what's the best way to actually test some of these concepts? What's a really good way of doing this? And for me, the idea of purchase is such a quick uh, an easy conversion um, to track, whereas with engagement retention, and even subscription renewal, you're going to have to wait months really to see results. So we tested, what we did was we worked with the brain training app Peak that you've mentioned, and also the uh, fitness app Freeletics. 
And what we did was we, um, I, with the research project, we interviewed um, real users who hadn't yet subscribed to these two apps. Mm -hmm. And we essentially used an online research platform and some screening software to see how they navigate the these alternative variants of the upsell screen. Um, what we found, some of the two, I guess a couple of the, the big things that we found was people were really still even now confused about what a premium offering, offering actually delivers. And I think when you work at a startup and you live and breathe your own product, you assume everyone understands the features that they're going to get if they pay. Um, when actually as a, as a new or a non-paying user, you might still be unsure about what you're even paying for. And I've experienced this myself where, you know, I've tried to look into an app specific premium experience, but I'm not really sure what they're selling me, <laughs> which it, it's kind of mind boggling. Um, and then one of the other key takeaways, and I'll talk in a moment as well about some of the other concepts that we tested. One of the other key takeaways was that, um, you know, the, the actual plans that you position on your upsell screen, how you frame the pricing. Um, also, some of the, my other work that I've done is around whether you have two, uh, two plans or three plans, what's the order that you put them in? All of these things have such a huge impact. And I'm happy to talk about that a bit later yes. on. But for the project itself that you're referring to, um, one of the really cool examples that I came across from this was this idea of the power of now. So the power of now is, is really about bringing your longer term intentions into the present. Um, when we think about health and fitness and self-improvement apps and really for any app that has a subscription, typically there's kind of a long term journey that you're trying to help your user uh, really kind of you know succeed towards. And so Power of Now is about how do we make sure that they um, are more likely to subscribe today mm. um, by really highlighting the benefit of subscribing today as opposed to just procrastinating. And so with the Freeletics app, um, we had this really cool mock-up of a calendar and it actually specified, you know, if you subscribe now on this date in the future, for example, let's say three weeks time, mm -hmm. you could you could achieve X percent um, body weight loss or whatever it could be. And this was actually really um, well received by the research study respondents. They they really started to understand, wow, if I pay now within a few weeks with access to this premium product, I could have made a real I could have actually received a real tangible benefit. So I think that was something that um, was really exciting for me, especially because I work with so many of these self-improvement apps. Um, do you want me to share a couple more examples? Sure. I love that one. I can still look, I'm yeah. looking at the screen right now, so it helps. Yeah. But go down on the white paper so you can follow along too. Yeah, exactly. Um, another example that we also ran with the Freeletics, you know, variants of the upsell screen was this idea of reciprocity. And mm. um, the reason why I really wanted to test this idea, so reciprocity, of course, is, you know, if someone does a good deed um, to you, you're more likely to respond in kind. And if you think about this um, in combination with the sort of power of free, as you have, I'm sure have read about with Dan Ariely, it's this idea that if you give a taster of something or you give a benefit to someone, they're going to think, wow, you've actually given me true value. That's really great. And they may be more inclined to then actually upgrade. So with the reciprocity example, we decided to test this by offering a taster, so like a, a coach tip. And mm. um, that's a freeletics, really bespoke piece of advice that they only offer to subscribers. And, you know, it was really well received by the participants. And I think just you know, thinking about this more generally, where I've seen really great success with other app developers is when they've every now and then played around with the paywall, maybe offered um, a, the taste of another premium feature to people that are heavily engaged, 
but aren't necessarily paying. Mm. And so it's not about giving your entire product away for free. I think it's about how do you give, you know, just a little sliver of that premium experience so that first of all, they feel like you are, you are offering value. But secondly, they understand what they're paying for. And I think that's one of the biggest barriers for subscription apps because you have this, you know, paywall. People don't really always know if I then pay, what am I going to get for it? Um, and then the, the last one that I can talk about with the core concepts from the project was this idea of social norms. And I, I found the results of this really quite fascinating because we had quite mixed um, sort of response. So the first way that we tested um, social norms, you know, really how do we leverage what everyone else in the app is doing? How do we use this in a way to kind of motivate someone to subscribe? The first one was for Freeletics actually um, talking about this idea of a global community saying, you know, you can join thousands of others who are working out right now. And I, what I liked is one of the respondents actually said something along the lines of why, what are they, what are they talking about? You know, I just want to get on and do my workout. I don't care if other people are using the app, um, which, you know, I thought was uh, pretty interesting feedback and, and definitely food for thought. And then the other one with peak, the brain training app was actually showing the testimonials from real subscribers. Um, but again, there was this level of um, um, potential mistrust where some of the respondents were saying, uh, I'm a bit skeptical of people or sites or apps that actually showcase positive reviews, because of course, by the very nature, they must assume, oh, well, you're hiding the negative reviews. Mm -hmm. um, so I think when, if for everyone listening, if you have an app that does rely heavily, heavily on a, a social aspect, um, or a community of users, then then it definitely makes sense to A-B test this. But I think um, social norms in this context, beyond using something like the most popular plan, which is, of course, an objective fact and helps steer a decision, um, that can be a bit misleading um, if you, again, use this idea of global community or testimonials. Yeah, I love that. Is there anything else that, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I always say, social norm, like social proof is what, how I call it too. Like, you know, how websites have like been featured on all these things and they have some mm -hmm. clients that they work with. So it gives you a little bit of legitimacy. Is there anything yeah. that else that we might be missing from just showing the sheer numbers and maybe testimonials, like anything else that you guys have tried besides those two? Yeah. So, um, when I think about this idea of, uh, social norms or social proofing, one of the related aspects that I think doesn't get used enough, especially in terms of subscription apps, is this idea of um, status and social comparison. And of course, you don't want to have a hugely competitive um, uh, you know, angle for your app, depending on what your use case is. But how I, I think what we've seen is quite a few different developers have success with really trying to highlight how people that subscribe, um, they're able to access this kind of elevated tier. You know, you hear about this idea of, silver oh, sorry bronze silver gold um i think rather than just talk about the overall number of people who are subscribing what is it that makes that person who subscribed slightly better off than than the non-paying user mm. and again of course you want to use it with caution but i think this idea of um social comparison is so powerful and and actually the brain training at peak um as as we've been talking about from this uh project they actually did some previous work as well, which they shared with us at a conference we ran a couple of years ago where they decided to actually, with the paywall, um, make any kind of social comparison features pro only. Beforehand, it was a comparison feature that everyone could access in terms of how well you're um, engaging with the app um, or how well you're performing with the mini games. Oh, I see. But actually, by um, allowing people to compare 
or you know have as a premium feature the, this ability to compare someone's performance but not just with anyone but also with people who are like you your age your profession they saw a really great result in um, subsequent upgrades so I think we should think about social in, in all of these aspects as well oh I love that one I love that example because yeah. I mean the competitor in me so instead of like using that as a tactic to keep me engaged like hey this is a premium feature when you know you're highly engaged but if you want to see how you compare with everybody else within the app then you got to sign up for a pro yeah exactly I love that okay so Jenny you brought it up. I was like, I definitely, I wrote it down. I was like, bring, come back with the pricing plan. So we've actually tested a few things with certain clients that we've had. And I'm finding that the one pricing page outperforms like showing two or three. What have you found? Yes. So again, of course, context matters and it really depends on the product itself and, right. and how, you know, all of the other factors. But in general, I would say from Again, I've I've seen many upsell screens and worked with many developers on how to optimize their screens. In general, I'm seeing anything that requires a lot of scrolling or swiping between screens is going to add more friction. And I think, you know, ideally what you're trying to do on the upsell screen is make it super clear, super concise, super salient, shall we say, to really get to the nitty gritty of what are you trying to upgrade to? And OK, here's the button to upgrade. I think if you need multiple screens, you should probably ask yourself, do you definitely need that many screens? Is there a way you can maybe condense some of the text? Can you use imagery instead? Or as we were saying before, some kind of visual animation rather than offering you know, a whole host of, of information that might not actually be uh, well received by the user to begin with. Oh, I like that. And then the pricing plans, the two versus three, have you guys tested out what works better? So... Um, Again, this is so most of my knowledge is from a whole host of different apps. And I would say anecdotally, um, we've actually been suggesting to different developers who are trying to optimize the upsell strategy to actually try three. Because first of all, you can then the user has more choice and it's better. You know, one of the things I'm learning in my own degree is actually sometimes it's hard to really understand the value of something if you can't compare it to anything else. So having um, at least three plans you have that idea of choice, but you can also then easily compare um, the price per month, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if you have this idea, I think it's called like gravitation towards the middle. There's some kind of psychological concept I can't remember the name of, but having the preferred or, you know, the plan that you really think is ideally the most beneficial to the user, the best value, the one with the most, um, I guess, rewards for subscribing, have that in the middle. Because again, I think it's actually called edge aversion, um, which I find, again, really fascinating where if you put something in the middle of the screen, people might be more likely to tap on it as opposed to the ones either side. <laughs> right. It is. Yeah. You see that all the time. The yeah. When you see the pricing plans with three, is it as simple as like yearly, monthly, which I see a lot of weekly mm-hmm. versus like, you know, like some other prawns or like, how have you guys seen it play out? Yeah. So um, what I've, what I've noticed recently is, um, a lot of developers are starting to think more about what is the natural kind of subscription cadence for my product. So let's say, for example, if it's something that you that you might want to use either on a daily basis or on a weekly basis, some apps, and I can't think of an example, but they're trying uh, weekly and monthly, for example. Other apps um, I've seen have been using uh, some kind of what I would determine as what I would call decoy pricing, mm. where they're leveraging a quite expensive um, plan or a one-time IAP, so for example, lifetime. But again, from the research we've done with the behavioral architects, um, 
having a really overpriced in general uh, lifetime purchase it can actually you know the reason why they add that is normally to make the annual plan look cheaper mm-hmm. but what we found especially from this research is not only is this plan a bit confusing if you know for people but it it could also make people feel like they're being manipulated a little bit um because they can see there's a, such a stark difference between the two um and so i think in general i would say ab testing is of course where the, is where it's at that's the best way to work out the best way to optimize your screen but i'm seeing in general yeah um monthly i've actually seen a lot of six monthly plans as well um and yearly as well um but with google play um we offer features like introductory pricing so i have seen a lot of um different developers not just showing the same three plans to everyone but i think where it gets really interesting is when you're surfacing or tailoring upsell screens to different people based on how they're interacting with your product yeah so um as an example if someone you know is super engaged in your product already maybe you'll offer them a very exclusive time limited introductory price um whereas you know for pretty much all the other users they're going to see the same three plans so what I like is this this kind of evolution of a one-size-fits-all upsell screen, mm-hmm. but now to more these kind of different trigger points to different types of people and having a really kind of tailored um, promotion to them. I really like that. And I think when we probably ran the test versus like one versus two is what we tested, <clears throat> maybe it's a one versus three. So I think two, like how you kind of you, what you said about the edge of, well, you know, the avoidance of edge. edge. Yeah. Edge of winners. Yes. So like when you have two, you're both on the edge. So it's kind of like, ah, I don't want to pick any of them. Yeah. And I think it's probably a better test. One versus three versus like one versus two. That's what we tested. Yeah. And we saw that two didn't outperform one. Oh, cool. Interesting. Yeah. We, we saw that one actually outperformed having two options. So yeah. I was like, oh. and I, I really like the two. I was, I was so disappointed that I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I also think just surfacing one as well, you know, if that one plan that you're surfacing maybe has a free trial or mm-hmm. it's, you know, you have a really compelling kind of um, upgrade button, you know, it means people have less um, indecision because it's like, okay, well, if I want to subscribe, here's my one option. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Right. But to your point, to your point, if there's two, it's harder to actually weigh up which one is better than the other. Whereas, again, if you have three it's even even easier to see, okay, comparatively, which one's better value. Right, 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 right. Okay, so let's start. Let's end with this. The I hear this from app developers all the time too. I want to grow. I want to keep growing. What are some common pitfalls that you see when you're trying, when these app developers try to grow? Um, so I've seen a couple of pitfalls. Um, let me think. So I would say the first one, and it's it's not necessarily a pitfall because if you do it the right way, it is, of course, instrumental to your business. So um, what I've seen is many developers often obsessively focus on, okay, we need to improve the usage of this particular feature. We've just got to do everything to get more people using this feature. And that's great if you are bearing in mind why that feature is valuable to your users. But sometimes I think um, this over, you know, so much focus on just trying to optimize everything for this one behavior, it's kind of missing half the story. So what I would prefer to see more of is actually how can how do these developers take um you know optimizing for a feature and to get that used more with um you know this behavioral data but with more qualitative information from your users so for example do you understand why people want to use that feature what's the benefits of using that feature and and making sure that that feature is actually 
um, you know, really fulfilling people's needs because otherwise you're you're trying to drive people to do something that while it makes your metrics look great, it might not actually be in at the end of the day very helpful for your user base. And of course, that will have other knock on impacts. Um, and then I think the other aspect just related to subscriptions is, um, you know, it's very common, especially for a small startup. You're you need to prioritize. You've got limited resources. You're going to focus on acquiring those new subscribers and what I've seen from my job is actually only a year or two in, these companies are starting to realize, oh, wow, we didn't really have any kind of um, churn minimization strategy. We don't have a win back strategy to actually get back lapsed or churn subscribers. So, you know, while I'm not um, advocating trying to do everything at once, I really think having a, a bare minimum basic um, kind of win back or churn prevention strategy is crucial because otherwise you've got this kind of leaky bucket problem. Um, and, you know, I've seen some really good examples of how subscription apps are starting to make sure that they're really conveying why their product is, uh, why the subscription service is, um, you know, worth subs- keeping on subscribing to. So one thing I've seen is a lot of this focus on, okay, someone has been a subscriber, they've used the, the subscription app for X months, they've done this and that. How are you highlighting that investment on an ongoing basis so that they can understand, wow, if I unsubscribe now, I lose access to everything I've already watched or I lose access to you know, the progress that I've made. Um, so I think having that focus on you know, making sure you don't have a leaky bucket is really crucial. Right. Not forget, not forgetting to take care of the people that are yes. subscribed and kind of for, always thinking about, okay, how do we get more subscribers? That's the, that's the thing yeah, I see too. Otherwise it's just, you know, you're putting all of your money, all of your efforts, especially with paid UA as well, bringing everyone to the top, but you're, you're going to have a problem down the, uh, at the end where if you don't have this, uh, you know, focus on churn prevention, then everything has been in vain anyway. Yeah. Agreed. Jenny, I love that. All right, Jenny. Well, this is amazing. I love it. I'm going to link all that into the show notes so that you guys can check it out along with Jenny's presentation at the Google IO in 2017. Definitely have to check that out. Jenny, this has been absolutely amazing. The let's go to the big finish. Give us one app. I know you can't, you have to be sort of partial, but give yeah. us one app we should definitely check out. Yeah. So it's a really tough question. So thank you very much, Steve, for, for <laughs> pitching that to me. <laughs> um, I had a think about it and I would say right now, my favorite app is Blinkist. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them. Of but course I've had them on. Yeah, they're, they're really cool. So they offer bite-sized audio and article style summaries of books. And again, with my and your passion for behavioral science and, and trying to understand how people and why people behave like they do, it's so good to have an app that just helps me get through lots of nonfiction in 15 minutes or less and you know really get to the crux of what is the key takeaway um because there's not enough app, you know not enough minutes in the day and i don't like carrying heavy books so yeah. it's definitely my favorite <laughs> i love it well that is a past podcast episode with jessica and then i'll link up peaks tiago was on the podcast as well so you guys could check out those previous podcasts as well jenny what's a, what's a lesson that took you the longest to learn Oh, um, I would say as and when you start to either build expertise or learn a bit more about a new subject area, you really start to realize that you don't always know what you don't know. And that's actually kind of scary because I feel like the more that I'm learning, the more I realize how much more there is to learn. <laughs> and, you know, I think when I first started um, my my job, I just assumed, OK, well, we've got this uh pitch materials about how an app can can be successful perfect this is all I need to work on 
And actually, as you start to delve into these topics of subscription pricing or app engagement or, you know, how to actually, especially with self-improvement apps, how do they um, help people reach their goals? You kind of get confronted with all of this other literature. So I would say that was a, a lesson that took me a while to truly appreciate. I love that. How do you balance it? Because I try to say like, like, hey, do you do this? Conversion rate optimization. I'm like, nope, I stick with what I know best. These are the things that I know. And I, there's just, I mean, the app space, we can talk about so many different things. And so how do you balance between wanting to learn more and being staying super focused on what you do best? Oh, I, I wish I knew the answer to that. <laughs> I think, um, you know, with my, with my job, my, my overall focus is how do I help the companies that I work with achieve their goals? And what's really cool about behavioral insights is, you know, when we talked about these ideas of commitment or salience or whatever it could be, they can be applied to so many different business problems. So I think what I try to do is keep my eye on the fact that so much of this is translatable and is testable to so many different problems. And, and that way, um, I don't necessarily need to just focus on a particular silo. Awesome. Well, if you want to check it out, go check out the Medium articles on that Google Play has put together. It is medium.com slash Google Play Dev. And you can follow Jenny on Twitter and you can even click on her name in your favorite podcast app that will go out to her Twitter profile, but it's underscore Jenny, G-E-N-I, Ren. Is that W-R-E-N? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, underscore J-E-N-I-W-R-E-N. Great. Jenny, do you want to send the listeners anywhere else to follow you? Um, I would say, you know, you've talked about the Medium channel, um, just really making use of all of the great material that not just myself, but all of my colleagues have been contributing to. So medium.com slash Google Play Dev. Um, we're continually adding more articles to it. And it's really great for the developer community because we're trying to take as much um, insights from the partners that we manage one to, on, you know, on a direct basis with and scaling it out, sharing it with as many developers as possible so that the whole ecosystem um, benefits. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal resource. I had somebody on my team and said, hey, this is a great resource. We should get Jenny on to the podcast, have her on because so much great content on there. Again, once again, it is medium.com slash Google Play Dev. Check out the white paper too that is linked up into the show notes. Jenny, thank you so much for coming on, doing this right after New Year's. I know. Well, happy new year. (laughs) Happy new year to you. Jenny, thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you at the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.